Bibles with you, I'd ask you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18. Starting what I really don't have a title for, but I'm starting a, a, a series this morning. And, and I guess the best way to put it would be it's a series on, on relationships. We're going to be talking about forgiveness today and maybe a couple more times. But we're also going to be, we're going to be talking about what forgiveness is, uh, probably what, what forgiveness does. Uh, we're going to be talking about friendship, what, a, what it means to be a real friend, what it means to be a true friend. We're also going to be talking about love. Not talking about boyfriend girlfriend love or or, or husband wife love or parent child love, but but what God what true Christian what true godly what true agape love is these next few weeks. Uh, I'm doing this because we're starting a new year, and figure we if we're going to start a new year as, as brothers and sisters in Christ as family members in Christ, we we want to start off on the right foot. And so many times we carry baggage from the last year into the new year. Things like unforgiveness, things like not being a good friend, uh, or, or, or things like lack of love. So I want us to hit on these things at the beginning of the year so we can get started uh, on, 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 the right, on the right foot, if you will. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18, going to share verses 21 through 35 with you. And if you're physically able, out of reverence to God's word, if you'd stand, please. Beginning in verse 21, we read, And Peter came to him, said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to each of you from his heart, I'm sorry, will do to each of you, will do if each of you, I need new glasses. So my heavenly father also will do if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. May God bless us by the reading and the hearing, most especially the doing of his word. You may be seated. This story here is a parable, and what a parable is, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus used mainly parables during the last half of his ministry to conceal truth from those who didn't really want it, the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, to conceal it from those who didn't want to know the truth, but also to reveal the truth to those who were seeking it. 
And if you remember from some of the stories, those who were seeking it were still pretty dumb because so many times after these parables, we hear the, we read of the disciples saying, Pastor, I mean, uh, 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 Rabbi or Master or Teacher, tell us what this parable meant because they couldn't figure it out. But it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Dwight L. Moody, who was a great evangelist and preacher back in the 1800s, said something very interesting. He said, there is one sin more than any other sin holding back victory and revival in God's church. He said, there's one sin I've seen traveling across America that is holding back victory in the house of God among the people of God, and it is the sin of an unforgiving spirit. The sin of an unforgiving spirit. Jesus here is telling us a story about not forgiving. Some folks get this parable confused and say, well, it's a parable about salvation or it's a parable about debt. No, it's a parable about forgiveness. He's telling a story about forgiveness. And let's review the, 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 the story here. First of all, we've got two servants who both owe, owe debts. Servant number one owes about what in today's money would be about $15 million dollars. The king calls it in saying, hey, if you can't pay, I'm going to put you, your wife, your kids in prison until it's paid off, and I'm going to sell everything that you've got. This servant throws himself on the mercy of the king. He says, king, I want to pay. I, I, I desire to pay. I, if you give me more time, I'll pay it, but times have been tough, and, and I just need more time. Please have mercy on me and give me more time, and I promise I'll pay you. Well, the king was so moved by the, the compassion and the sincerity of this servant, he, he says, you know what? Forget about paying it back. I'm going to forgive it. The $17 million you owed me, I'm going to forgive it. It's like it never happened. And in grace and mercy, he forgives the debt and sends the servant on his way. Well, this servant, servant number one, remembers that there's another guy that owes him some money. We'll call him servant number two. He goes to servant number two, who owes servant number one roughly what's somewhere around 20 bucks in today's money. He grabs that servant, servant number two, by the throat, beats him, curses him, demands his money. You owe me 20 bucks. Give it to me and give it to me now. Servant two does the same thing that servant one did with the king. He falls on his feet and he begs for mercy. He begs for grace. He says, I want to pay it. I intend on paying it, but I need more time. Give me a little more time. And servant number one, who was given an abundance of grace and an abundance of forgiveness, instead of responding in the same manner the king did to him, had the guy, the guy that owed 15 million, had the guy that owed 20 bucks thrown into jail. After this happens, some of the other servants find out about it and they go to the king. The king is outraged and sends for servant number one. And he go, talks to him. And I, I shouldn't say talk. He probably yells at him or, or, or forcefully tells him or, as I like to say, has, maybe has intense fellowship with him. And says, wait a minute, I forgave you that enormous debt and you couldn't even forgive, uh, for, forgive and forget a debt of about 20, 20 bucks for your brother, for your fellow servant. I tell you what, buddy, you go to jail and you're going to stay in jail and you're going to work and you're going to work and you're going to work until that debt is totally, totally paid off. Well, what does this story mean? Is, is it just about two guys that owed a debt? What this story is really saying to us 
is that we who have been forgiven of our sins greatly, we who have been forgiven by a tremendous amount of sin by our, our God, by our Father, should we not be willing to forgive our fellow man when they sin against us, really realizing in the big scheme of things, the worst something somebody could do to you on this earth, the worst sin somebody could, com could commit against us on this earth pales in comparison to the sin debt that we owed God and God forgave us of. I want to look at a couple of things this morning, three things, why we should forgive from God's perspective, why we should forgive from our perspective, and how we're, how we're to go about forgiving. First of all, why should we forgive from God's perspective? Well, quite simply and quite bluntly, we should forgive others who sinned against us because God forgives us who sinned against Him. Think about it. What has God done for us in forgiving us? Think about this also, and this is what amazes me about God's grace. God not only forgave the sins that I committed before I became a Christian, when I couldn't help but sin, the Bible tells us, but He also forgives me of the sins that I've committed after I became a Christian, after I should know better, after I don't, don't say should, after I do know better. So think of how greatly God has forgiven us and does forgive us and will continue to forgive us until he calls us home. Think about what God's done for us. Think about how greatly he's forgiven us. And in addition to, for being, to forgiving us, if we're here this morning as a Christian, God's done at least three things for us. First of all, he's created us. God is the one who gave us life. We're not an accident of evolution. There was none of this from the goo to the zoo to you. We were all created in the image of a holy God. We were created in the, in the image of a God who loved us and who wanted to have a relationship with us. You know, I'm hearing a lot of things again in the news today about the debate between evolution and creationism and the ones that... that, that, that fall on the side of evolution, they say, well, you know, it's obvious. We can look at the world, and with all the tests and everything we've got, it's obvious the earth is billions and billions of years old. I won't share the story I always share with that, but I'll say this. You know what? My God can do anything he wants to. He can make this earth look like it's billions of years old, and there's nothing we can do about it, but he could also make this world, this earth, and this, this, this universe look like it was created yesterday. And there's nothing we could do about it. And there's no machine that we, could, that we could create that would contradict what God wants us to see as far as this universe, as far as this creation goes. So he created us. We owe God something for that. Every breath we take this morning, we take because of God. You can be the most physically fit, most, most dynamic specimen, physical specimen of a man or a woman or a boy or a girl here today. But don't get cocky and think, hey, I'm breathing because of my involuntary nervous system. It just automatically does it. No, it doesn't matter how good your, all the systems in our bodies are working. If God says, you ain't breathing no more, guess what? We're not breathing anymore. I hope this doesn't happen, but any one of us sitting here, me standing here right now, God could say, hey, it's your time. And we're gone into eternity. I know we've got some young people right now that are dealing with the loss of a, of a young lady. 
that I, I'm, I'm sure her and, and her friends thought she thought they had forever. You know how some of you young folks are? You know, I'm indestructible. I'm invincible, you know. But we've got some, some, some young people here, uh, whether you heard about it on the news or not, it was a young lady that graduated with Zachary from high school, uh, died this week. And uh, they're having a calling for her tonight and a funeral tomorrow. I'm sure when she woke up that morning, she thought she had the rest of her life ahead of her. Well, she did. <laughs> but it just wasn't as long as, as what she or her parents or, or her friends had expected. We're here. Every breath we take is because God allows it. He, why should we forgive from God's perspective? Number one, uh, because he created us. Number two, he saved us from our sin. God the Father planned our salvation. God the Son, Jesus Christ, purchased our salvation on the cross at Calvary. And God the Holy Spirit is the one that pursued us and prompted us to accept God's pardon and God's provision of salvation. It's all God from start to finish. It's not, well, hey, I decided one day I was going to give my life to Jesus. You know, for the first few weeks, maybe first few years I was a Christian, I used to think that. Well, you know what? I decided to give my life to God. No, it wasn't I decided to give my life to God. It wasn't that I took the initiative. It was that God took the initiative to pursue me. God had me start dating a young lady. Well, even before that, I remember when I was a kid, my parents didn't go to church. I remember on Sunday mornings, more often than not, I'd turn the TV on, and though I don't agree with all of his doctrine now that I'm older and I know more, first thing I'd hear on the TV on a Sunday morning, something good is going to happen to you today. It was, it was Oral Roberts. You know, I remember we, my mom and dad had a book about this thick. Some of you may have heard of it, may even have it. It's called Her. If I'm pronouncing it right, Hurlbut's story of the Bible. And basically it was the entire Bible from, from Genesis to Revelation in story form. I remember reading that several times when, when I was a young person. I remember going out into the country, out the county, and my grandmother and grandfather who were Christians and, 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 and very active in their church. And it was a black and white screen TV, but I remember this fellow by the name of Billy Graham being on the TV. And I remember even before I was saved, I, I remember telling my grandmother specifically, I said, i like to do something like he does when I get older. And she said, you know what? Maybe you will. Maybe you will. What a, I, I can't say it's a regret because I know she was looking down in heaven, but one of the things I wish my grandmother could have seen alive uh, would have been to see me preach or been to see me uh, at, my, at, at my commissioning service when I was ordained as a pastor. But not only that, you know, God led me to the path of a young lady who after she went out with me a few times said, hey, if you want to keep going out with me, you got to keep coming to church. And after about six months of that, that's when my eyes were opened up. And, and because God had been prompting me, because God had been pursuing me all this time, I finally gave in. So it wasn't me deciding I was going to get saved. And guess what? For those of us here today that know Christ, it wasn't about us deciding someday in time to get saved. It was because God was pursuing us. God took the initiative. God always takes the initiative. And don't we owe Him something for that? Don't we owe Him something for saving us? He create, Why should we forgive from God's perspective? He created us. He saved us from our sins. He blesses us each and every day of our lives. Everything we enjoy this morning in life comes from God. 
And don't any of us get cocky and say, well, no, I've got it because I worked the job and I earned the money and I put in the overtime and it was my blood, sweat, and tears and my name going on the dotted line to go into debt and all this stuff to get this. Absolutely not. Who gave you life? Who breathed breath into your body? Who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the job? Period. It's all of God. He blesses us each and every day. Everything we enjoy in life comes from God. Our health, our homes, our family, our friends, our job, all of our material possessions. James 1.17 tells us every good and perfect gift comes from above. God gives it to all of us. Because of creation, because of Calvary, because of His care for us every day, doesn't it stand to reason that we ought to every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every month that He gives us life, live a life of faithfulness and righteousness for Him as a way of, as a way of saying, thank you, God, for forgiving me and for all that you've done for me? But do we do that? Do we do that? He has done so much but ask for so little. And again, do we live the way we should live? It's kind of a message within a message. No. The answer to that is no, if you're wondering, because we as His children, created by Him, saved by Him, cared for by Him daily, are continually unfaithful and unrighteous. We get hatred in our, hatred in our minds, lust in our hearts, gossip in our tongues, thievery in our hands, mischief in our feet, Greed in our eyes, and maybe the worst one is if those aren't bad enough, apathy in our lives. So many of us that are Christians, and I'll stand at the front of the line to say it even happens with me sometimes. Oh, well, I know God wants me to do it, but I, I just don't feel like it, and I'm just going to fall on God's grace. Or if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. And folks, guess what? There's a three-letter word for all of those things, S-I-N, sin, and we do it daily. And when we sin, what does it do to God? For those of us that are Christians, every time one of God's children sins, it breaks his heart. What happens to us when our children do things that we've told them not to do? Yeah, we get mad and angry, but I think more than that, it, it hurts us because we know what's best for them. And, and, and they've purposely decided, you know what, I know what mom and dad said, but I'm going to do it my way. You know, I think I've shared this with you before, and those of y'all that are a little older probably know exactly what I'm saying. The older I get, the smarter my mom and daddy were and are. When I was 18, 19 years old, my mom and daddy couldn't tell me anything. But buddy, once I got out on my own, once I started having kids, once I started living, you know, out on my own, all of a sudden, mom and daddy, something's happened because mom and daddy aren't as dumb as they were when I was 18 or 19 years old. You know, they must have got, I went to college, but they must have got an education somewhere because they're a whole lot smarter. Those of us that are, that are Christians, you know, that, that, that's kind of like, an, 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 if you will, a poor analogy but the, the closer we get to God, the more we see, hey, God was right all along. God was right all along, and it makes me so much more grateful that he did forgive us. God forgives every time, fully, finally, and forever. 
And Jesus is saying here in this parable that, that if God is willing to do this for you and me, if He's willing to forgive us of all the sins we've committed against Him, we should be more than willing to forgive others for what they do to us. And I know there are probably some folks thinking, well, wait a minute, there's some really terrible things that people could do to me or, or could do to others that don't deserve forgiveness. It may be looking at it from an earthly standpoint, but when you look at it from a godly standpoint, a scriptural standpoint, an eternal standpoint, there's nothing we could do on this earth to somebody or to ourselves that is more sinful than the sin we've committed against God. That's why we should forgive from God's perspective. Well, why should we give? Why should we give? Why should we forgive from our perspective? There's at least four reasons. I'm just going to go over four. Number one, we should forgive for the grace reasons. We who, uh, what we are freely given, we're to freely give away. In Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 32, we read this, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. God forgives us by grace, and He gives us grace. We are to forgive others in grace, and we're to forgive others by God's grace. Why are we to forgive? We forgive for the grace reason. We should also forgive for the guilt reason. We read right here that the Father says, I will not forgive you unless you forgive others. Well, what happens when we don't forgive others? Does that mean we lose our salvation and we're going to hell? No, that's not what it means. But it means, it means our fellowship with God is interrupted. And it doesn't mean that we'll go to hell, a real hell, but we will go through hell here on earth until we soften our hearts and are willing to forgive a Christian with sin in his or her life. And folks, unforgiveness is every bit as much a sin as adultery or fornication or lying or cheating or stealing or murdering. Unforgiveness is a sin. And when a Christian has got sin in his or her life or a sin that, a sin that, that, that we won't, a, a sin that we've not asked for forgiveness for or we won't forgive of somebody else, we will be robbed of our peace and of our joy. Might walk through these doors with a smile on your face, but on the, on the inside, your life's in turmoil. You might be able to quote all the right scriptures and praise God for this and for that and for the other, but you know what? For the most part, it's a fake. Because on the inside, you're being torn up. You're being, you're being eaten up. As we are guilty and God forgives us, should we not forgive others who are guilty of sinning against us? Because as we, as we treat others... God's going to treat us. And you know what? The, 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 the great thing, well, depending on how you look at it, the great thing about how God treats us, God doesn't treat us like hypocrites. If he's mad at me, he's going to tell me he's mad at me. It's not like if I'm mad at Miss Helen for something and I go up to her and on the in heart, inside my heart I'm like, man, I, uh, uh, but I, oh, Miss Helen, how you doing? I love you. God doesn't play games like that. God says, you know what? I got, I got this against you, and until you get this straight, you're going to be in misery. We should forgive from our perspective for the grace reason, the guilt reason. We should also be willing to forgive because of the grief reason. 
Moody said that as he traveled, he saw what an unforgiving spirit will do to a person. Well, what will it do to you if you're not willing to forgive? It'll make you miserable. I already touched on that. And it will put you in an, emo in an emotional prison. It will put you into emotional bondage. Unforgiveness is like a cancer that will eat you up. Do you know why we have so many Christians today with no peace or no joy or no smile on their face or song in their heart? It's because they have an unforgiving spirit and God has taken that peace and joy away from them because they have an unforgiving spirit. And there are so many Christians today, I dare say even in our church, with no peace or joy, they're sad sacks and sourpusses. They're going to heaven, but they're going through hell to get there because of an unforgiving spirit. And we hear things like, I'm mad at, something, at somebody for something they did to me years ago, and, and that person's forgot about it. Uh, they did something to me 20 years ago, and I'm still mad at them. But guess what? That person forgot about it about 20 seconds after it happened. And I, I've, I've, I have had people tell me that before. Well, so-and-so did something to me 20 years ago, and I go and talk to so-and-so, and so-and-so is like, what in the world are they talking about? I don't even remember that. Well, I'm mad because one of my friends spent more time or paid more attention to another one of my friends than they did me. You know, I'm mad because somebody got invited somewhere and I didn't. I'm mad because Pastor John didn't shake my hand or, or hug me during greeting time. I'm mad because I didn't get a personal invitation to this. Or I'm mad because my feelings got hurt. Or I'm mad because my spouse or my children or my friends isn't behaving the way I think they should be behaving 100% of the time. Which in our minds when we're saying that, behaving 100% of the time means giving in to what I want. And we're not willing to forgive. Man, what a bitter, miserable way to live. We're also to forgive for the gain reason. When somebody forgives you, you gain a brother or a sister or a friend in Christ. Back to Matthew 18, chapter 17. I mean, I mean Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he hears you, he is, you've gained a brother. We're to forgive from God's perspective because he created us, because he saved us, because he forgives us, because he blesses us. We're to, give, to forgive from our, from our perspective because of the grace reason, the guilt reason, the grief reason, and the gain reason. Well, that brings us to the point, well, well, how do we forgive? How am I supposed to go about the process of forgiving somebody? We're to forgive as God forgives. Well, how does God forgive? God forgives freely. We're called to forgive freely. When Adam and Eve sinned, it was God that went to Adam and Eve. It wasn't God standing back there saying, well, you know what? When they, when they decide to get right with me, they can, they can come on to me. When we sin, God takes the initiative and comes to us. That's called conviction. When we've sinned against God, God's Holy Spirit in us convicts us. That's God taking the initiative and coming to us and saying, something isn't right here, and I'm giving you the opportunity to make it right. He freely comes to us. 
He freely forgives, and we're to do the same to others, with others. Well, what does that mean to us? Well, it means when somebody sins against us, we don't sit back and say, well, I'll forgive them if they, if they come and ask for it. Or I'll forgive them, but I'm going to let them simmer and stew. I'm going to let them be miserable for a while. I'm going to let them hurt for a while. And then I'll forgive them. It's not the way we go about it. When someone does or says something against you, you go to them as God comes to us when we've sinned against them. Tell them face to face. Sometimes you might want to have somebody with you. There's nothing wrong with that. But tell them face to face they've hurt you. Don't do it in front of a crowd or a bunch of other folks, but sit down with them and talk with them. Tell them about the hurt and, and, and uh, the hurt that came about because of what they said or did. Go to them and let them apologize. Let them acknowledge what they have done or what they have said and then forgive them. Well, Pastor, I'm all for that, but what if they don't acknowledge it? Well, you know what? Where there is no repentance, there is no forgiveness. If they say nothing, or they say, I don't know what you're talking about, or, well, you shouldn't have taken it that way, I don't, there's nothing for me to, to, to you know, to, to, to ask for forgiveness for, walk away. You've done all you can do. You still forgive them in your heart, but you allow the rest of the story to take place between that person and God. I've had people before tell me, Pastor, I've gone to so-and-so uh, several times and told them that I've forgiven them or, or, or asking them for forgiveness. I've heard it both sides, and, 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 and yet nothing's changed. They don't want anything. What do I need to do? And I tell them every single time, you don't need to do anything else. When we follow the biblical guidelines for seeking forgiveness or granting forgiveness, if the other party doesn't want anything to do with it, we've done all we're required to do according to God's word. It's up to God and that other person from, from, from there on. Well, preacher, what if they don't mean it? What if they say, well, I'm sorry, and they don't mean it? You know what? We, don't be, we, we shouldn't be the judge of what they mean. We need to accept it at face value and again allow God to do the work. We're to forgive freely because God does. We're to give, forgive fully because God does. Two things to go over quickly when it comes to this. If you're going to somebody and apologize to them for something, don't say, if I've done something to hurt you, I apologize for it. You know something's going on because you wouldn't be going to them. If you didn't think something's happened, go to that person and state what you did. Or it might be the case, go to that person and ask. Maybe you don't know. Go to that person. Hey, I, something, something, you know, something's going on between us. Have I done something to hurt you? Let me know so I can make it right. You know, I'm not going to pick on Miss Helen because I've already picked on her. I'll go to Miss Natalie. Miss Natalie, I'm going to stick with this side today. You know, if, I, if I've done something to, to hurt your feelings, and Miss Natalie comes back with something like, well, you know what? You know that thing you say about not, not hugging, hugging me or, or hugging somebody or shaking their hand during greeting service? You didn't do that to me this morning, Pastor. Miss Natalie, I'm sorry. I apologize, and I give her a hug. I didn't know what the problem was. But I know something's wrong. I know something's interrupting the fellowship. So go, go and ask. Go to the person, state what you did or ask what you did, and then ask for forgiveness. 
Again, there's no doubt something's going on or you wouldn't be there. And if your attitude is, well, I really don't think I did did something, but I'm going to go anyway just so people can see I've made the effort, there's, there's no sense in going because it's all an attitude of the heart. Secondly on this, if you're on the receiving end of an apology, and I've had to, this is one I've had to work on over the years. If you're on the receiving end of an apology, don't make the mistake of saying something like, well, hey man, don't worry about it, it's no big deal. Why? Because you're minimizing what somebody's trying to do. And it is a big deal to them. And I've had to learn over the years when, when, when somebody comes to me and apologizes, I, I used to be quick about saying, well, don't worry about it or it's not a big deal. It is a big deal to that person because they're coming to you. And if they come to you and, 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 and apologize or ask forgiveness, just be gracious and say, brother or sister, I, I, I accept it. Hug them around the neck, shake their hand, do whatever, and, 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 then, and then let it be done with. If somebody comes to you and wants to acknowledge or confess or apologize for something they've said or done, we on the receiving end should, well, we, meaning all of us, I'm not saying that I'm always the one getting apologized to, but if you're on the receiving end of something that's been said or or done to, we should listen attentively, affectionately, and seriously because this means something to the person coming that's coming to you and asking for forgiveness. Don't humiliate them by trying to trivialize what they're trying to do. Again, oh, well, it's no big deal. Or, 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 or oh, you said that? I didn't, you know, that, that didn't hurt my feelings. I didn't even realize you said it when as soon as you got in the car after church, you told your spouse, well, did you, you know what so-and-so said to me today? And then the next Sunday, oh, I forgot all about that. I don't know what, you know. Let's, let's be real. When an apology is given, We need to be willing to grant forgiveness every time. Not seven times, not 490 times, seven times 70, but we're to forgive every time. We're to forgive freely, we're to forgive fully, we're to forgive finally. It should be forgiven and forgotten. Well, well, Pastor, how can I forget when it's in my mind? And you know what? It probably always will be. The Bible tells us that when God forgives our sin, He casts them as far as the east is from the west. Now, God is an all-knowing God. So God can't forget anything. But what this passage of Scripture is telling us, that God chooses not to use our forgiven sins against us in the future. If I sin tomorrow, if I walk out of here today and sin today, and I come to God and ask for forgiveness, God's not going to say, well, you know what? You, you came to me last week and you asked for forgiveness for this, this, and this. I knew you weren't going to change. So there's no sense in forgiving you. God doesn't do that. The sin might always be in our heads, but it should never again be in our mouths. And we're all guilty of this, and we shouldn't do it. And folks, in, in the years I've been in, in, in the ministry and been counseling Husbands and wives are particularly guilty of this. If they get into an argument, instead of keeping the argument to what's going on right now, all of a sudden, every wrong that's been done comes out. You know, Tammy does something 
I do something to Tammy, I'll switch it. You know, Tammy shouldn't say, well, you know what? I knew when, when you did this same thing five years ago, I, I, I knew you were going to wind up doing it again. So, so why should I forgive you? You, you? you don't bring up the past. You focus on what's going on now. And there are folks that, that and, I, and I dare say even in our church with the size crowd we've got, that every time they get in a fight with a friend or a family member, it's never just the issue that's being dealt with right now. It's issues that have happened weeks ago, months ago, years ago, that that person chooses not to forgive, and it just sits there, and it festers, and I'm telling you, it eats you away like a cancer. That's why God tells us we're supposed to forgive and forget because if we don't forget, if we don't cast it away and not use it again, it's just going to continue to tear us up. You might be sitting here saying, well, preacher, I'll be honest with you, as you've been talking about this this morning, it's brought to mind somebody that, that, that I've hurt or somebody that's hurt me. I've got a grudge. I'm really ticked off at him. Matter of fact, I've been ticked off at him for years. I've not spoken with him for weeks or for months or for years. Matter of fact, every time I see them, I go the other way. Might be a family member. Might be a church member. It might be a friend. But the bottom line is we need to realize that we're never going to feel like forgiving somebody. But we don't forgive because of our feelings. It's not about our feelings. It's about what's doing the right and honorable thing before God. If God's willing to forgive us, how can we not be willing to forgive other people? It's about extending the grace God's extended to you to somebody else. Don't let your feelings control you. Forgive because it's the right thing to do. Some of you may have, excuse me, some of you may, may know who Corey Ten Boom was. I know we're, as we get further and further away from World War II, there's a lot of things, even when it comes to Christianity, that people have forgotten or haven't been taught. But Corey Ten Boom was a Christian lady. I'm not sure if she was a Christian. I think she was a Christian while she was in the Nazi concentration camps. But if I remember the, 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 the story correctly, she lost everybody dear to her in the concentration camp including a sister that was in the same camp with her. She saw her sister die. And there was a particular guard there in the camp. And this guard beat them, stole from them, abused them, and not just her and her sister, but all the ladies that were, that were in this prison. This one guard in particular beat them, stole from them, abused them. This one guard was, was particularly responsible for the death of her sister. Then in 1949, four years after the war was over with, Corey Tinboom was speaking on forgiveness in a German church. And it just, I don't want to say it just so happened, by divine appointment, that guard that had been there and had abused her and her sister and stole from her and her sister and was responsible for her sister's death was there in the, in, in the congregation. This guard came to her with tears in, her, in his eyes and told her that he had become a Christian and that he was coming to her and asking for forgiveness. Now think of this. Somebody that, 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 that beat her and her, her and her sister and all the other ladies, tortured them, made life in what was already a, a life impossible to live, made it even worse. 
And then on top of all that, this guy was responsible for his, her sister dying. And this guy comes up to her after the service and says, I become a Christian. I want you, I'm asking you to forgive me. She said the first thing she wanted to do was to scratch his eyes out and to stab him in the heart with her pen. She hated him. She wasn't going to forgive. She didn't want to forgive. But she said she forced herself to put her arms around him and said, I forgive you. Classic case of I don't feel like doing this. Maybe the poster child for I don't feel like doing this. But she forced herself to put her arms around him and said, I forgive you. And Corey said when she did this, the most awesome thing happened. She said the comfort of God, the peace that passes all understanding, the joy that is unspeakable filled my soul. She said that God had worked in her life in a way that day that she had never experienced. And that he released I'm sorry, God released her from that prison of hatred she had been carrying around since the time she was put in the concentration camp. Folks, there's some of us in, our, in this congregation this morning that are in prison. And we're in a prison of our own making because you will not forgive. And I'm going to be blunt and honest this morning and say, it's not a matter of can't. So many people say, well, I can't do it. No, it's a matter of we won't do it. Because God's word tells us that we can do it. It's just a matter of us choosing not to. And you may be in a prison here today, an emotional prison, an emotional change, an emotional bondage, not because you can't forgive, but because you won't forgive. You hear me say so many times that we're all here on any, any Sunday by divine appointment. We're not here for some of us because this is the thing we do on Sunday. Or because my wife forced me to come or my kids forced me to come or my, my husband forced me to come. We're here today by divine appointment. And if you're here today and there's somebody in your life that, 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 that needs forgiveness, you're here today because God, well, I'm here today because God wanted you and he wanted me to hear this message. But more than wanting us to hear this message, he expects us to act on it. Forgiveness from God's perspective, we forgive because he created us, because he saves us, because he forgives us, because he blesses us, and because he forgives us. Forgiveness from our perspective, we should, give, we should forgive because of the grace reason, the grief reason, the guilt reason, the gain reason. How are we to forgive? Freely, fully, and finally. Is there anybody in our lives, in your life, in my life, that we've not extended, not been willing to extend the forgiveness to them that God has extended to us? And keep in mind, as I, like I said, you might walk around with a smile on your face. You might be in church every time the doors are open. You might post all kinds of God loves you and if you love God, this, that, and the other on Twitter and on Facebook and on Snapshot and all those other things they get out there today. But if you're unwilling to forgive, 
Oh, you know what? All that is nothing but a, but a, but a bunch of, uh, of, of trash. It's nothing but a bunch of rubble. Because if we're harboring unforgiveness in our hearts, whatever we're doing supposedly in the name of God isn't pleasing to God and it's not honoring to God or the people we need to forgive today. I suspect there's probably parents here today that need to forgive children. There's probably children that need to forgive parents. There's husbands that need to forgive wives. Wives that need to forgive husbands. Brothers and sisters in Christ that need to forgive each other. I didn't pick this out for any particular reason, but again, at the same time, I, I want us to get, get a fresh start, a clean start to the new year. So from that standpoint, this was a God-ordained message for all of us today, including me.